All right, and welcome back, everyone. This is Smelkin Ernesto again with Voices in the Back. And uh, today we have a really, really incredible guest, uh, someone who has kind of more recently broken out in the scene here. Um, very interesting background, really cool fusion style music. And his name is... Uh, why don't you say it for the folks, actually, so you can set the record straight? Because I'm sure people have asked you before. Kukuka. Yes, it is Kukuka. Hello, welcome. How are you doing? How are you today? I'm good. <laughs> I will say the uh, <laughs> audio is a little crazy there, the but um, a little bit because <laughs> you are. You're in your car right now, is that correct? Yes, currently uh, working on... I was at a coffee shop working on looking gigs for uh, out of town. That's my goal for the fall and the next year is just to get outside of Minnesota and start digging a little bit more. Right on. And I feel like from what I do know of you, you are pretty much... You're, you kind of do it all yourself in terms of that, like uh, managing yourself, booking, stuff like that. Is that still true? Yep, I do everything myself. Yeah. And then um, it's just been, you know, I, I still work a full-time job. You know, I work with, uh, in education. I've been doing that. I graduated college in 2017. Um, and then I've just kind of been working in college, uh, I mean, in schools. Yes. And then taking the money that I make, putting it into my music and booking gigs. Up until the summer, I had to book every gig myself, but I haven't had a, book, a gig this summer, which has been nice. Yeah. Um, but typically, I'm booking gigs myself, you know, all the time. And so uh, start, I've been a solo artist since 2020. And then once I started that, I just started sending my stuff out to different people. Like Razor Beak of Doomtree was one of the first uh, people I started working with. Yes, um, yeah. In, in Minnesota, so we did a few tracks together um, that I've been performing, which have been super awesome. Um, so, yeah, just pushing myself, uh, promoting myself. I book my own studio sessions, I book my own photo shoots, and have all that. Like, I put my band together myself, just reaching out to people online, um, yep. people I met at the beach, um, literally, like, <laughs> people I met at the beach I was just like yo I'm looking to you know put together a band and I met some guitar players and yeah. you know started connecting with them so yeah I just really you know off my own strength you know I uh, I, when I was I was homeless at 17 and you know I had some people take me in you know and I experienced a lot of racism you know from them and stuff like that and music has just been like my way of just kind of getting away you know from stuff like you know, even my birth family. It's been 10 years, actually, this year. Um, in 2012 is when I became homeless as a, a teen, you know. And so since then, music is really what's kept me alive during moments where I felt suicidal, where I lost friends to suicide and, you know, lost mm -hmm. friends to gun violence and all these things, you know, and just trying yeah. to keep my mental and being at Bethel dealing with racism and all that other stuff. And so music has been my thing. You know, even when I studied abroad, um, in England, you know, as an English major through Bethel University, I still booked open mic. You know, I got open mic slots in, you know, Rome. Uh, when I was in Manchester, I got an open mic slot. When I was in, oh, wow. um, yeah, when I was in Scotland, I ended up doing an open mic over there. 
um, when I was studying. So whenever I was, you know, school and edu- education and music have always been the two connectors for me that have saved my life. You know, without education, I wouldn't have had teachers and staff, you know, who stepped yeah. in, you know, helped me get my um, independent papers when I was, you know, homeless and stuff like that and make sure I could go to college and, you know, get all the help I needed. And music has just been my, you know, way to connect with the world, find myself through it. You know, I say fusion music because I've been around so many different types of people from experiencing homelessness or being an immigrant and like all these things being around, you know, white culture and, you know, and, yeah. you know, not to say that country music is for white people, but white people, <laughs> you know, dominated country music as of, you know, in these, in these times, you know, before, you know, country was started by black people, blues, all that. Yeah, exactly. You know? I was thinking like a, a crazy fact that like about like uh, kind of that whole stuff too. It's like, you know, it's like when you think of like the banjo, like we think of like deliverance and like, mm-hmm. you know, like Southern white people, an yeah. African instrument, actually. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's, I feel like every, every day and every year we go by, I just learn more and more things that actually black people did that first. So. Exactly. You know, it's just, you know, a form of oppression to take away the creators of something. You know, if you don't know who created it, you know, you don't know who do it. It's like now why uh, you have, you know, Republicans getting mad at, you know, things being taught in school. It's like, well, they don't want you know, white children to know that white people were the ones who oppressed white people and put them in slavery and, you know, still look down upon them. They don't want them to know, you know, who were the originators of all that. But you need to know the yeah. originators of all things, you know, so you can understand, you know. So it's like yeah. they take away responsibility at all costs, you know, from white people, whether it's a accomplishment or a downfall, you know. But, yeah, no, it's um in some ways I'm kind of glad that I'm like done with school. So like Yeah, right. You know, like I mean obviously it's like you know there were problems, but like to hear some of these like school board viral meetings you see it's it's, mm-hmm. it's truly insanity out there. But um I want to touch real quick cuz you really jumped on a lot of stuff and I for the uninitiated with you, I think it's important to point mm-hmm. out as well to you um your guinea born from Liberia? Yeah, so I was technically, yeah, I say technically born in Guinea, but I'm Liberian. I was born in Guinea because there was a civil war going on in Liberia, right. and my family had fled and all that, but then they went back, you know, during the war too as well, um, just for survival sake and, you know, things that had going on. So I was born in Guinea, but then uh, my mom left when I was like two weeks old, so that's why I, they ended up going back to Liberia. She came to America. And sure. then uh, I was in the Civil War. My first first Civil War I went through with my grandma. That was in uh, 94 and all that other year I was born. And then a second Civil War started happening in 2000. And that's yep. when we came to the United States to get away from the second Civil War that was going on over there. So, yeah. So you've come a long way. And I think, geez. Yeah, man. The, 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 all your traveling and stuff, too. I mean, uh the word um, that just kind of kept repeating in my head in our first bit there was, "Oh, you're you're a fucking hustler." Yeah, <laughs> dude. For real, it's man. Real. It's real. Um, I think this is also probably a good segue here. Um, let's kind of get into kind of the heart of what we do with these interviews, and um, I want to start off here. I think it's a good starting point just from your background. When, you know, growing up here in America, be it Minnesota as well, too, was there like a really, was there kind of a defining moment when you realized that, you know, the way I look is kind of an issue with some people or that you were othered, essentially? Oh, yeah, man. Um, When I was a kid, 
you know, uh, we, you know, we would have people yelling outside of the car, like, go home, you know, like, I was a young kid, like, really young, you know, and I could just feel it, you know, like, I was, like, second grade, I think, second, first, second grade, we were leaving, like, this basketball, basketball game for a church, you know, and they started yelling, out the window and then I got that a lot growing up you know like in St. Anthony I went to St. Anthony Middle School and I'd be walking down the street I'd be having people yelling several times on several occasions you know and so yeah man it's uh it's a real thing you know like it's definitely in my face so, yeah and it's I all mean, been that... in Minnesota nowhere else yeah uh I think you know I can definitely <laughs> had similar things happen to me too and it's like you know it's it's crazy how, you know, white people really just until they actually they got they really got to be like standing right next to you in that moment for them to understand like how real of a thing that can be for for so many folks here um, who are not white. Um, in regards to that, or kind of moving along here, then. You know, I I, I read one of your prior in- interviews where you know you'd said. You're not really huge into like politics, but obviously you are still, you seem very principled. Uh, you mm-hmm. like, you know, you know what you're about. Um, I, I saw some mentions of, sounds like you had a little, a rough time in, in college with, uh, with like a BLM rock or something. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, when Philando got killed, there's this rock at Bethel university where, you know, you people write on it to like celebrate things or like, for of solidarity's course. sake, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some students are, you know, written uh, R.I.P. Philando, Black Lives Matter, you know, and some white mm-hmm. students came in at night, crossed it out, put fuck Philando, you know, Blue Lives Matter, all that, you know, and then I decided, uh, you know, we for sure weren't about to let it up. So we had a protest and, you know, we had the choice, you know, to put Black Lives Matter back on the rock, you know, or put like Ubuntu and whatnot, because it was like, if you put Black Lives Matter, folks about to come right back you know, and erase it, you know, and I was just like, yeah, so I decided to put, like, us for us for us on the rock, not Ubuntu, us for us, you know what I mean, it's just saying, like, the folks that, that are rock with us, you know, and yeah. be on our side, you know, it's us for us, and they don't really come with a, don't really come with a color, it just come with a purpose, you know? So yeah, right. That's where it's just like... And the real ones will know that one. <laughs> exactly, you feel me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like those who want to hear, we're here, and those who want to see, we'll see, and you don't have to force it, you know, onto nobody, you know. And, and it's it's wild too, I think, because you know, like so many little like backlash incidents like that, you know, all of this still occurring like well before George Floyd or anything like that ever mm-hmm. happened here too. And oh yeah, man. It's always, again, like, it's just, it's so unfortunate that, like, it has to get to that level for, <laughs> you know, people to actually listen, unfortunately, sometimes. Um, so, obviously, we are 2022. We're two years post-summer of 2020, which was big. Um, I want to just ask you, though, like, just personally, because I feel like, as like a like a brown queer person the last two years in the Twin Cities, I have even like further, I, I would say radicalized like a lot more in terms of my politics and stuff like that. H- have you, do you feel like there's any been sort of really big change or, or maybe metamorphosis that you've been going through these these last two years in a the post-Floyd era, if we want to call it that? 
Um, honestly, I just think it's, I think it's at the end of the day, it's, I don't know, man, to be honest, you know, uh, the one that, I think the biggest thing that happened is Derek Chauvin's, you know, like conviction, you know, and other than that, like you police, you know, they're still trying to defund police. And I think honestly, it's made more of a division at times, to be honest, because I don't really feel a spirit of unity. You know, I feel a spirit of, you know, trying to make up, you know, for what's happened. But it's like you can't make up for it unless you're willing to unearth everything, you know, like really see everything that's going on and happening, you know. And, you know, I walk into spaces now. It's just like sometimes it feels like, you know, Minnesota's kind of backtracking, trying to catch up where it should have been. You know, it made it seem like it was at a certain place when it really wasn't. Sure. It's just the fact that it hadn't made it on national news, you know, yeah. but everything was still going on. I've been facing racism ever since I can mm-hmm. remember. And even now, you know, yeah. I, even like one, for example, is like I get with, you know, lately white women have come up to me. They're like, oh, I like black men. You know, I want to be with a black guy. I'm like, what do you mean? You're fetishizing me. Oh, <laughs> you know, literally. I'm like, so I get nervous, you know, to approach white women these days, especially since Floyd. You know, because it's yeah. now it's like a thing, you know, almost now to want a black person, to want to be around a person of color because, oh, like, you know, oh, white people are this or that. I'm like, don't be with me because of white, what white people are. Be, be, be with me because of who I am, you know. And that's one thing I've, you know, as much as the makeup culture is nice, it's like, you know, I've seen, you know, white people who all of a sudden when George Floyd died, they go, oh, you can stay here for as long as you can talking about me. You know, it's people who've been racist to me before and then. You know, as yeah, soon as right. a little fire in them dies down, they go right back to being their same, you know, prejudice, you know, telling me I shouldn't work up, find my identity. And I'm like, I've been I'm living through a lot of trauma right now. And you still don't care because, you know, everyone comes to the party like all the people showing up to marches. It's like, well, what are you doing on the daily? How are you really building community? You know, what I mean, like, yeah. So I think, honestly, at the end of the day, like the best way Minnesota can help people is people of color is literally reparations. Y'all give it up. You know, what I mean, like equity is the word, not equality, you know, and Minnesotans have a hard time with equity because equity means you got to take something away from somebody else. You know, yeah. we, is this whole thing of like, oh, I didn't I'm not racist. You know, I'm not you know, this. I'm not that. It's like, well, that's not the point. It's the whole system. You got to give some up for the whole thing to be equal, you know, for the whole thing to be equitable. You know, I mean, so it's like you yeah, kind of see it, you know, in terms of like, you know, maybe people may not kill me as much <laughs> you know what i mean but it's <laughs> yeah. like that's all black people are still being killed in minnesota even after george floyd like um, yeah. i forgot the man's name that was sleeping in his sleep he got killed by police you know what i mean there's another man in wilmer uh i think austin minnesota something like that um his name was koku it's spelled the same way as my name i googled my name and i found a man who was struggling okay. with mental health issues in austin minnesota he got uh, you know killed by police Oh yeah, that was a mental health crisis. That was just like last, like a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Or no, actually, it was no, an old. But I think it's like finally being like investigated or something. Yeah, I know man. I just read about that, which yeah. is yeah. So it's still happening, man. It's insanity, because yeah. yeah, God, never, never call the police on a mental health crisis. Yeah, it bro, never, my, never ends me? well. Literally, no. so I'm like, my uncle had a lot of mental health breakdowns, and the cops would always get called on him. He got put in the system. You know what I mean? And, like, he got deported and killed by his own, you know, dad in Liberia because there's different laws over there. Ain't no, 
you know, ain't no police, you know what I mean, to help nobody over there, you know, so as much as cops be killing folks over here, I look at it over there, I'm like, damn, like, even cops trying to kill my uncle over there, so it's like, you know, it's the same thing, you know what I'm saying, so I'm just like, For sure. you know, it's the power of authority, but, you know, yeah, man, it's wild, I, uh, so I don't really think much has changed, to be honest, you know, I think there's more festivals, you know, little sure. events and stuff like that. <laughs> or, like, people put BIPOC on their pages and, you know, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, man, like, y'all ain't really breaking bread or truly supporting, you know. I really feel like, you know, I think, like, I'm an entertainer, so people kind of got to, you know, support. But if I, if I wasn't making music, you know, if I wasn't out there like that, would people really care, you know. And that's right. the thing about blackness is when you're not entertaining, they don't, they're not really they don't really care about you if you're not entertaining, you know. But it's the people who aren't entertaining that are getting their lives taken away you know and it's just a little it's a tough route yeah i think there's definitely like you know an an air of this kind of performative nature kind of Mm -hmm. in the the art scene and stuff like that and although i I mean i i would say like i think i'm certainly seeing a lot more you know like like queer trans and especially people of color like kind of more in the spotlight in the music scene but i mean it's still you know, we're we're right. still definitely not not the ones uh, really at the table, so to speak. Yeah, no, because for real, like even before Floyd and whatnot, man, I would try to submit, you know, my music. I make different kind of music. You know, I'm really influenced by like Southern hip hop, you know what I mean? And like stuff that ain't got nothing to do with Minnesota, you know, just like my culture. <laughs> and like one of my best friends, you know, Jamon, he's from Louisiana. We met in fifth grade. And that's the same time I moved to the suburbs, you know, like literally. Sure. And it's like, that's my guy. Like, so my culture isn't Minnesotan, you know what I mean? So when you're up here and you make yeah. music, that's not, don't, that don't sound Minnesotan. You got a little Southern twang or you got an Afro, you know, like Bob, that's not like strictly African, you know, you're a mix of something. People kind of look, look at you sideways. I used to submit mm-hmm. my stuff to, you know, music places all the time. You yeah. know, in Minnesota before Floyd and all that, nothing. You know, what I mean, they would I send it to alternative stations. I knew my music was alternative, but then was, they would send it yeah. to hip hop stations. I'm like, bro, this is Afro, and y'all ain't got no. And y'all talking about alternative music? This is alternative music. What are you talking about? You know? Right. I was gonna. I I feel that so strongly with because I, I would say I mean, when I was out gigging and stuff, and like on my last release, you know, a lot more. You know, there are some fusion aspects to it, but like, you know, it's still like, you know, alternative, I guess you mm-hmm. could say. And I, you know, maybe off mic, we can we can say which ones probably turned us down because I wouldn't be surprised if they were the For same sure. ones. <laughs> right. Because then one of them did take my music, but it wasn't until a white man submitted it for me. So, you feel me? <laughs> so that's still kind of how it can be sometimes. But um, yeah, especially in Minnesota, though, they don't like you unless, you know, unless you would have banned. You know what I mean? Unless you and I'm like, you know, it's dope. I love it. But it's like at the end of the day, open up your mind and start to see like, you know, people make music from all different places. You know what I mean? And it's this pigeonhole reality that people thought they had to have in Minnesota. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm just like, you can rap about street stuff in your music and be telling the story about where you're coming from. It don't got to sound, you know, like Bob Dylan. You know what I mean? Right. For it for it to be popping, and they get so stuck on that. It don't got to sound like Prince. It don't got to sound like Lizzo. You know what I mean? Right. It don't got to sound like you know atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like it don't got to sound like that. You know, it's just like because yeah, that's it's yeah. such a tight spot. I feel like for you to be in as well too. Like you know, with you have such 
you know, you're, you're sonically, it's very, you know, again, I mean, I mean, that fusion, we have to keep going back to this word. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's so many different genres that you can attribute to that. And yeah, I think that's a huge problem in this scene particular is that, Mm -hmm. yeah, that idea of, you know, well, unfortunately, because you're black, well, you have to, you have to play shows with the black people, you know, it's like, I feel like kind of like the mindset where it's like, I, I could imagine you in, in any stage in this exactly. city, but it's, you know, we're, we're slowly getting there. It's a little better. Like, I don't think someone like you might have broken out in five, six, eight years ago here in the scene, but you feel me? So that's, that's something, but you know, obviously there, we still have those hurdles. Yeah, man. And that's why I'm just, you know, like I said earlier today, I was at a coffee shop before you called, just really working on getting outside of the city. You know, because yeah. my message is bigger than Minnesota. You know, what I mean, and I've, you know, I'm blessed. I'm thankful, so thankful, honestly, for, you know, people at First Avenue. You know, what I mean, for looking out, all the people that have booked me at festivals and, Hell you yeah. know, gigs around the city. Shout out to, you know, Hook and Ladder. You know, what I mean, yep. guys like that, Amsterdam Bar and Hall. You know, they'd be coming through Clutch. You yeah. know, and all that. You know, what I mean, it's been a blessing. You know, to be, in all these venues here. You know, but I just feel like I have something that's not just stuck here, you know, but at the same time, you got to show love where you're at and get love where you're at. And, but I don't, I don't want to, I've never been one to try to force my music on people. You know, I've just been one to try to get my mission and my message out there, you know, because I have a very specific purpose of my music and why I make it, you know, partially Mm -hmm. to heal, to find myself and, you know, to be able to bring a different perspective to people. And it ain't necessarily got to be positive all the time or whatever it may be, but just a different perspective, sure. you know, for you to tune into and understand like, you know, any all things are possible. You are you yourself are possible. You know, you can strip yourself away from all things that you've known and recreate yourself. Even out of the BS that you experience, you can find joy in the midst of your hard times, you know, and that's why I wanna, you know, uplift you know, people of color and whatnot too. You know what I mean? Black people, people who are not white you know, and to just yeah. be themselves and not to have to identify as not white, you know what I mean? Or have to identify by skin color. They can identify by their essence in which they come from, you know, and I'll, even now sure. wearing crop tops and and all that, man, is just a way to liberate people who are black and queer, you know what I mean? And black and free flowing, black and want to wear what they want to wear and may not identify, you know, yeah. by specific sexuality because I get asked my, you know, sexuality all the time and i don't really ever state it because i'm like it doesn't matter all that matters is you shouldn't look at me as a black male wearing what i'm wearing and judge me at all you know what i mean when you see someone that look like me you shouldn't even ask their sexuality you shouldn't even ask no. their gender take them as <laughs> you know what i mean you feel yeah. me like take them just as they are unless they reveal themselves to you then that's a different story but the most evil thing about whiteness you know the white idea mentality white supremacy is that they pick something that you can see blatantly you know, like yes. right away, like your skin color, you can tell. So somebody can already oppress you just looking at you right away, you know. And another form people try to do is they oppress somebody about what they're dressed like. I'm like, well, if I start dressing and wearing whatever I want to wear, then you can't dress me by what I what I have on. And if you truly want to oppress me, then you're going to be the only thing you have to do is judge me by my skin color. And that right there is on you. You know, what I mean, like, so it's just interesting when I start wearing crop tops and even I get it from people of color too, black people, Africans that tell me I'm not African because I wear a crop top, you know, I'm not, you know, black enough. I'm not this enough. And, you know, then I also get, you know, people who, you know, want to attack me for being a cis male and, you know, not being 
you know, in the LGBTQ community, but I'm like, I'm, I'm just being myself and I'm loving and, and ally for all people, you know, in all spaces. And, you know, the backlash I've received, you know, since all that has been interesting because I saw, thought Minnesota was so progressive and, <laughs> and so open. But when you're, you know, a black male wearing, yeah. want to wear what you want to wear all the time, like they let white males do it and it's no issue. You know, and Prince was glorified for it. He was lighter skinned, but as long as you're dark skinned as I am, it's like, oh man, they got to control your life. You can't do what you want to do for real, you know? And it's just. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the toxic masculinity, the, the colorism, all that stuff is, exactly. is, very, is very real. Um, and it's right here in Minnesota, and I've experienced it all firsthand, you know, and I can pull up the DMs, the messages, the all that, you know? You know? That. Right. Yeah, people people are just I feel like like for me personally, like kind of in the last two years to I've just people are really, really set on on binaries, you know? Yeah, like I would say even more so subconsciously. I mean, oh, yeah. especially like the way, you know, you're talking about your clothing and stuff, which, you know, I in general terms, like maybe we could say it, the, the lay person might categorize some of your looks as, you know, looking, oh, like, like, oh, this looks like a pretty queer person or like, oh, right. this is like a very effeminate way of doing something. But like, it's just still really, really upsetting how, how threatened people really can be by someone yeah. who does not conform to, you know, and these, it's sad. these binaries that have just been pervasive all throughout, you know society like history and stuff and i think it's it's you know i I love i love seeing people like you who are you know trying to to break those those binaries and stuff like that and yeah man i mean i think it's a honestly just a a, maybe even more like pure form of expression as well too i mean you could say and yeah it's you know i'm sorry you have to get those messages and but i don't doubt you get them and we'll keep getting them probably. Exactly. And I'm like, as long as I wear cross tops. Like, God, you should have seen my fucking abuelita's face when she, like, saw my, my fingernails painted for the first time. Oh, Ooh, man. She did not like that. Ah, she was on your ass, huh? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. it is what it is. But, I mean, it's uh, just, yeah, it's wild, though. But, yeah, man, it's cool. We can, cool, we can relate, you know? Cause yeah, I'd definitely be, definitely be out here like, man. People were calling my birth mom, who don't even talk to me, asking her what my sexuality was. I was like, dang, y'all tripping. Y'all need to go listen to my music. <laughs> it's another crazy thing. Like, even if you did decide to disclose that, I mean, still at the end of the day, like, yeah, it it truly is no one's business, but your no, own. Not at all, you know. And that's why, like, that's you know, in Africa, you know, like men can hold hands and walk down the street. You know, and nobody has to question their sexuality and people just see it as love. You know what I mean? And it's like everywhere. So I feel like as much I love, you know, the freedom that we have, you know, in the LGBTQ community. But at the same time in America, like people are so like, like you said, threatened by it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're so threatened by it where it's just like, yo, like, why are you so threatened? And I look at it at the same time. I'm like, imagine if black people you know, were given people of color were given the same freedom to express themselves openly. You know what I mean? 
like yeah. to really do that, you know, to the same scale of, as the LGBTQ community. Because even mm-hmm. in the LGBTQ community, you find racism, you know what I mean? You find sexism, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? You find all that. So I'm like, in all these things we're fighting for, even me, when I look at it and I go like, why are black people offended when I'm expressing my freedom to dress how I want? The only thing that should be said is, oh my goodness, good job, black man, you are free. Keep being free. You feel me? But it doesn't come from that angle. It comes from, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I'm like, yo, aren't we here to be free? Aren't we here to express all of who we are? So, like, where, why is the oppression coming my way from people who are also seeking to be free? Or people who are also allies with people seeking to be free? You know what I mean? It's just so interesting. You know, and a lot of the times I say, like, if my music doesn't garner a lot of numbers or plays or whatever, at least I was here and you remembered who I was and you were faced with the reality about yourself that you had an encounter that you never encountered before you met me, you know? So all I want to do for people is to hold up a mirror to themselves so they can look at themselves and see what's really there. And then I can see what's really there too, you know? So it's just been, it's been awesome to like learn how to express myself openly, you know, like being an English major helped a lot. Sure. You know, like I took a lot of acting classes when I was in England. I took an acting class at the Royal Shakespeare company. I took an acting class when I was in Paris and like even at Bethel University, I came back oh. and I took some acting classes there. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. So it's just like all that, my experiences with that, it's like you learn to express yourself freely, you know? And like Shakespeare, you have men acting as women back then, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all these things that people are witnessing, I'm like, as much as we're progressive, we're even further behind than Shakespeare's time, you know? Yeah. Because they were comfortable, you know, to do that. But the only reason why men had to dress up as women is because women weren't allowed to be on stage, you know, right. which is yep. oppressive at that time. It still is oppressive if yeah. that was, you know, but at the still though, like the, the sentiments now it's like now women can be on stage and now it's wrong for a man to dress like a woman when he had to dress like a woman because you were oppressing women and now women are free. And they, you know, I'm like, where is this confusion? You know? So it's just been more, you know, as I get into the scene here in Minnesota, you know, my goal is just to find out how to be me even on a bigger scale, you know, because I've done so much work on knowing who I am, understanding, like you said, my principles, you know, yeah. and what I stand on, where I'm going to go, you know, where my heart truly is and healing from my trauma, you know. So as I come further on the scene, you know, and I used to manage artists before and help other people when okay. I was in college and put on shows Tight. for other artists and stuff like that, just because I wanted, I wanted to create the scene that I wanted to be in. You know, like people that I thought represented me, you know, and as I got further into the scene, I started to see like a lot of it wasn't genuine. You know, the people that I helped, you know, Demi, you know, Demi Bogus left me hanging, like wouldn't invite me to shows when I put them on shows, wouldn't invite me on a song or like, you know, would cut verses out of my songs or like all these things or like force. You know, I got actually I started making Afro pop because I had, you know, dudes who wouldn't record my hip hop. They had an issue with hip hop. Because they were sure. Niger- they were Nigerian and they had this, you know, there's also this disparity between, you know, people of the same quote unquote race, but that's African and not you're not African, you know, African American yes. and Africans is a, you know, friction between that. And he had an issue with me recording hip hop, you know, so he forced me to record Afro because he had this whole idea that Afro was better than you know hip hop and this culture was this that sure. and the third. I'm like that's not what it is. You can't be a you know black male. You know, though you're Nigerian, you know, looking down on African-American culture when you were brought up on African, African-American culture. And the issue is because, yeah, in hip hop, you have violence and all that stuff that's being out there. So it's kind of looked down on, you know, and all that. 
which is understandable, but like that's what the media sure. markets, you know, if country country artists try to talking like that, they wouldn't market that because they don't want that to be a part of country music, you know, yeah. but they market what they want to be known as hip hop and that's violence and that's all that, you know? So it's just super interesting, you know, when you can see where the market is already being skewed, you yeah. know, but people denied me of recording music. I'm like, I'm not talking about all this, all these crazy things about music, but when I started talking about, you know, violence in my songs, they started liking it. I'm like, no, I make hip hop, but I'm, I don't want to be violent. I make Afrobeat, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about having sex, you know? So I got pigeonholed, you know, I got pigeonholed into a lot of different spaces, you know, and, you know, when I stopped managing other artists and stopped, you know, booking shows for other artists and I stopped doing that in 2020 and became solo, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I started to see like, man, like I really lost myself, you know, lost kind of my grounding, you know, being in this state and trying to appease to so many different people, you know, but whenever I went to other places like England and, you know, Portugal, you know, I would receive just so much love off the rip, you know, sure. but yeah. being here in Minnesota has been really difficult, you know, to be like, wow, like, what is the culture here you know in the air and i think it leans towards white culture very much you know i just kind of like for sure i pinpoint that and i'm like it's white culture and like what they deem to be good that they support and they promote is never you know people of color choosing what's popular you know it's white people feeding it to people Mm -hmm. of color and then we all of a sudden see like oh this is us that's not us that's just what they made popular to seem to be us you know and so, sure. like, a guy like me, you know, I may not ever become popular necessarily, but I also want to be purposeful, you know. So that's why I, like, kind of stay independent and don't have all these different kinds of managers because not many people are on the same wavelength as me. I want to work with people who want the same purpose, who want the same mission, you know, with me and for me, you know. And so, like, when I say fusion music, I don't want to just do Afro. I don't want to just do hip-hop. I don't want to just do rock. I want to be able to fuse it all together so you can come and enjoy yourself fully without having limitations on your mind like oh hip-hop i can't listen to it oh country i can't listen you know what i mean like even yeah. before people really listen to the music they already have a prejudice in their mind so then they don't even go listen to it at all you know but it's like you you don't listen to hip-hop because of the violence but here you are being racist towards somebody that's violent itself you know <laughs> so it's, all these things no one's really checking themselves at the door no one does you know, that's why you can have people who are really racist who listen to Bob Marley. Why? Because he's talking about yeah. love in his music, but you still hate his skin color, though. But you want to feel yeah. love for yourself, right? You're singing those songs. You love it. But you see a black man, you're going to walk across the street. You know, like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, so for me, my goal at the end of the day is to dispel a lot of things that people may think when they see me. You know, and that's just by being myself. And, you know, my goal right now is, like I said, is to get shows out of state. Um, I just got a new distribution company I'm working with. They'll be helping me with marketing and kind of getting that rolling and, you know, working with visual artists who are with me and believe in me. And, you know, so I've scaled back a lot um, in wanting to be in the scene and here in Minnesota. And just, as I've gotten to see it and the culture of Minnesota and I'm like, I don't want to just be put on a pedestal just because of, you know, the downfall of things. But I want to be brought up because my people care about what I think. They care, They like my style of music. You know, they are actually into me not into my skin color and want to bring me up on that, you know? So although I'll, like I would say like your your worries on that are are absolutely valid. I I think you can probably be an exception here as a person who has seen you play a few times. No. Uh, I have such uh last time I saw you was at Sociable Ciderworks and mm-hmm. At one point, there was this very silly little kid who you, I think oh, you put yeah. a big chain around his neck or something, or he had like yeah. something, and you jumped down there. But um, 
just very, very positive vibes. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I totally get where you're coming from with, with maybe some reservations, but I, I think uh, you staying true to yourself here, um, you, you only seem to be getting more and more out there and uh, more and more views and stuff like that. So I'd yeah, say you're, hoping, you're, you're doing you're doing it right. Continue what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I get nervous, you know, like some days I'm like, man, like, because it's just like I have such a purpose driven like mission, you know, so sometimes it's hard to like just make whatever and do whatever and you know, just be out here just for the fun of it, you know, like it's fun. I want to have fun, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I just feel such a calling with who I am, you know, and what I've been through. I'm like, there's no way I can just hold what I have, you know, like, and just not share it with people, you know, like my goal is just to share, share who I am with others, you know, like literally just share cuckoo ka, you know, and hope that it inspires, you know, and, and I hope that it reveals, you know, if it makes somebody feel an elephant in the room, good, just don't attack me. Don't, <laughs> you know, don't do nothing wrong to me, you know, but I'll I'll fluff your feathers a little bit, you know what I mean? And Yeah. Yeah, but I just want to make sure though at the end of the day, like people have a good time regardless of even if the topic is deep, if it's whatever, like you still feel alive. You know, I don't want to make you feel down and mm-hmm. look bad about yourself with this, you know. But when people attack me and they treat me with negative energy, oftentimes, you know, meet energy with energy, not in the same form, but the energy is felt. Sure. You know, because I think at the end of the day, you got to stand for something, you know, and I used to when I was younger, try to make way for people who would abuse me and people who abandoned me and my family and, yeah. you know, like all that stuff, you know, like try to you try to because as a, as a young and when you're young, you want to you want everything to be OK. You don't want things to feel off balance. And, you know, so you do what you can. You stay quiet. You laugh through things. You, you know, you put up with a lot or you whatever it may be, because you want harmony so bad, you know? And I mean, I can't even begin to tell you, like, how many, like, recovered, like, traumatic memories and stuff I got, like, kind of in, in the midst of everything popping off down here, just, like, the shit I would, like, let people, let white people, like, say in front of me. Mm-hmm. And just, like, how, yeah, I mean, it when you, especially, like, when you're a child like that, too, and you're surrounded by really no one that looks like you as well too. I mean, you can't really even, you can't really speak any truth to power because I mean, kind of, you just, you're in survival mode essentially. And I mean, it's, I mean, rocking the boat could actually mean, you know, like real, like physical harm or some other sort of consequence. Yeah. I ended up homeless, man. When I was, I had a, you know, I was staying with this family. I was, I was, I was fresh out of college. It's so my first job in this school, you know, and there was a lot of racism in the school. And mm-hmm. I was proud to bring it to the principals. You know, it was in the Mounsey School District at this school called Sunnyside. I'll bring it to the principal, you know, and he would do nothing about it. I'll bring it to teachers. Students are telling me how they're being bullied by other white students. I'm bringing it to their teachers. Teachers don't even know what a microaggression is. The staff only has, like, pipes in the building to represent Native Americans. I'm like, these are elementary kids. What do they know about a pipe, like, to represent Natives, you know? Yeah. And like all these literally, you know, and I will go to the principal and he had no no idea. And like, you know, white fragility starts crying when you tell them about themselves. I'm like, you yeah. keep letting these things happen. These students are going to grow up and it's going to be on your hands that they're being mistreated and then not knowing who they are. You know, so I, I ended up leaving the school and, you know, I was at home living with this white family who had taken me in. And, you know, all of a sudden they're telling me, oh, like, oh, you quit. And now this is what you do because I was making music and just to kind of deal with like the pressures of it. And I'm like, no, this is me mm-hmm. trying to heal. It's my first day after quitting the job, you know. And then she goes, 
use race as an excuse. Don't act, don't act like you're a martyr and all these things. Right. And they'll get mad at me when I didn't want to talk to police officers and their sons would make jokes like, oh, we didn't own any slaves and all these things. And I'm like, and then I would have to stay quiet and because I didn't have anyone else that looked like me living in that home. And then when I spoke up against it, though, you know, when they told me I use race as an excuse, that's when I ended up being homeless. I was like, yo, like you're really I'm like, this isn't a place for me to be. I knew if I didn't keep my mouth quiet, you know, I would it wouldn't go well. Like and they started telling me, oh, you're not our son. You know, we just all these things. Yeah, why aren't like, you grateful for exactly Ugh, exactly like, what you're spewing racism on me? Right. So I ended up sleep. I was with a college degree sleeping in my car man like i had just got a lease on a new car because i knew you know i'd be homeless right after that like for sure. real yeah. you know because i knew like whenever i stood up for myself it was gonna go like that and that's exactly how it went you know when they would be racist they would say oh have we hurt you as much as your family has hurt you and i'm like just because i live in your home don't mean you know, i'm supposed to just put up with the racism and the prejudice and the racist jokes y'all would make and all the remarks you know try to parade me around like i'm some tool you know, and they would always ask me when I'm going to quit making music and quit. I'm like, y'all know this is what keeps me alive and you don't support it at all. You know, and I went to college. They didn't pay a lick for my college, but wanted to parade me around, you know, and, you know, parade me off. Because I was a black child, you know, from the streets who wasn't out here in the gang. I wasn't out here thugging. I wasn't out here with a, you know, baby mama. They and saved all that. you. Basically, I thought they saved me, right? So I should be quiet and take the racism. But I was like, y'all didn't do anything for me, but give me a bed. And a homeless shelter could give me a bed, too. You know, like all them trips I thought y'all were taking me on because y'all cared about me is because y'all wanted to parade me and show me off. And even when I went, y'all were still racist towards me on them trips in Florida. Like, and I had to be quiet with y'all, you know, nervous as fuck. But I knew, you know, if I wasn't in that situation, I got homies who, you know, weren't doing that great and they would put me in the same situation and that's what was happening homie selling perkies and and all that other stuff i'm like i can't be around that man i get caught with all this over for me so i had to be with the racism i had to be you know with the bigots you know what i mean and put up with it the people who are tokenizing me i had to put up with that just to get through you know and i did it you know what i mean and when i graduated i tried to help you know other black people you know because i had a college degree and i had a job but then i got used you know, it's in the music industry. I, you know, I had a house. I tried helping artists, you know, and people wouldn't even pay a cent to live on my couch. And I'm like, bro, like, you know, so it's all so interesting. You know, I've just seen, you know, a wide spectrum, but I can never pigeonhole anybody and say this is how all these people are. You know, that's one thing I can't do. You know, no matter how much I'll go through, I can't say this is how all women are. This is how all white people are. This is how all... But at the same time, I can talk about the system. You know, I can talk about yeah. the consistencies, you know, and the disparities, you know, that do exist. You know what I mean? And oftentimes, not everyday people have a hand in even choosing what they believe. And white people have been made to believe that they're better. It's like they don't even have their own mind. The white mind isn't a human mind. You know, mm -hmm. like you don't own yourself. You're being owned by someone else that told you how whiteness is. And you adhere to it because it comes with privileges. You know, it comes with perks. You know, you don't have to worry about being talked down to look that different, not believe when you're hurt, you know, all that. So it's just like so interesting. So for me, the reason why, you know, I used to be so scared to be out there because I never I didn't believe in myself. You know, I didn't really believe that I was a person that people had to see to believe, you know, that there was something better. I thought it was other people. But then I started to see, like, even people who look like me still aren't about the same agenda. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you're not about love. You're not about peace. You're about someone shaking their ass. You getting drugs off of somebody. You playing somebody. You know, you being better than somebody. Like you're putting all that stuff in your music, and I'm like, I'm not with that either. You know, mm-hmm. so I get called a lame. I get called soft. My bars aren't hard enough. I'm like, I'm not here trying to be the hardest rapper like that you ever heard in your life. I'm here to be cuckoo ka. You know, and that's the issue where, like I said, is. In Minnesota, like, I'm not in a box. I don't put myself in a box, and I don't allow myself to be put in a box. So a lot of times people get, they don't know what to do with me. You know, I'm like, you know, it's okay. I know what to do with myself, though, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I just love that the people who are with me are with me, like you and everyone I meet at the show is like that kid I gave my chain to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, and I'm understanding that it's going to come with me just focusing on the people that are with me, you know, and that's been my like biggest thing this summer you know i get people who saying oh we didn't expect you to be playing at the minnesota zoo you know because i opened up for yam house you know earlier this summer you know and stuff like that and i'm like what what do you mean you don't expect is it because i'm i look like you is it because i'm from the same neighborhood and i'm doing it and you're not and you know it's just so interesting you know yeah not to everyone out there who has creative friends don't ever compliment them air quotes with oh didn't think you would get that <laughs> yeah right not not a compliment <laughs> not at all backhanded as ever you know yeah but, but also like, in some ways it feels very minnesotan too a little bit <laughs> it is very much you know like my grandma said to me like we didn't expect you to be where you are i'm like she would look at me she goes most kids who are like you end up you know dead or in prison i'm like you're my grandma you could have helped avoid that but you didn't <laughs> yeah. do nothing about it you know, now, like, she swipes up on my music and comments on it and wants to say sorry for everything. You know, it was a good conversation, but I'm like, after the conversation, I hung up the phone. I was like, hmm, she didn't even come around for anything else except for hopes that I make it in music and that they get something off of it. I'm like, you're saying sorry, hoping that I'm going to build you a big house one day off of my music, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not even anywhere right now, you know? So it's like, it's, <laughs> it's been so interesting to see you know, all that. But yeah, man, my goal is just to make people who come from where I come from, you know, not necessarily the skin color or, you know, Africa, but, you know, they maybe they come from trauma. Maybe they come from people questioning their sexuality. You know, maybe they come from people, you know, not believing in how smart they are. You know, maybe they all that, you know, who anybody who's ever felt oppressed in some way, you know, maybe they're around people who aren't really real with them all the time, you know. Yeah. Anyone that's ever walked my life, you know, I want to just bring those people in and be like, look, I got y'all. Everything's going to be OK. You can dance. You can smile. You can take your time to heal. You know, what I mean, you can breathe. You can be vulnerable. You can do all that without being downtrodden, you know, because oftentimes when you have that good nature and you people take advantage of you, you know, and people talk down to you easier because you're nicer. You know, they think they can, you know, backhand compliment you. They think they can say racist jokes to you because you're nice and you're kind and you'll be okay with it. You know, it's, you ever had that where, it's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, someone gets real comfortable with you. Then they start thinking, Oh, I could just say whatever. Then you come back at them and they get surprised. It's like, why are you surprised? Because I'm nice. I'm supposed to be a fool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like a ton of, cause I grew up in a, in a small town, mostly mm-hmm. white. So yeah, I mean, the my whole upbringing was just, you know, survival mode. And now I've mostly just blocked most of those people. It's Man, great. Well, great that blacklist is long, right? <laughs> right? That blacklist is long, and that black button comes yeah. in handy. Yeah, it sure does. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I feel like another big change in me in, like, the last kind of, like, two years and stuff here, too, is, like, you know, 
I, I think I, I certainly like let myself get walked over a lot when I was younger. So sometimes like out of necessity and survival, but other times just cause you know, I just was not confident or really believed as much of myself or was as secure in who I am at the time. But now it's like, I'm, now I'm, I'm not the one, <laughs> like, you know, like right, exactly. if you're, you're going to be coming at me with like that whack ass energy, like, no, nah, no, nah, like we're no. not, I don't have time or the patience or, or the labor for this. But I think, um, I think this is a great segue point actually to ask my favorite question that I like in these interviews, because, um, you know, although I think you have this awesome, really, you know, open, uh, ex expressive kind of view on, on your art and the way you approach that and your identity and stuff. But now I just want to ask you something nice. What in the last couple of years has, you know, despite everything that keeps happening, I feel like every fucking week at this point, <laughs> what is something yeah. that has really just given you joy out of all life keeps throwing at us uh i think it's just all the people that are tuned in with just like who i am you know like over like all the people i meet at shows you know and like it's been cool this summer to be at a coffee shop and have somebody come up and be like yo i really i saw you play and yeah. you know it's happened a few times and i'm like oh dope you know it's kind of it's reassuring to go like man who i am is is wanted you know who i am is needed like i belong in this space you know because sometimes you're doing things you don't know if it's sticking you know and yeah right you know and you're just kind of happening in life and a lot of times you're alone like most of life is spent alone you know like when you sleep unless you have a partner you know mm -hmm. something like that like you're alone you know and you're at work, you go to work, you don't pull up to work with your partner, you're alone in that space with your coworkers, but like, you know, you, you're yeah. bringing yourself to most spaces, you know, so it it's just like, really um, like, uh, like finding, finding, finding your people, finding your chosen family, then it's kind exactly. of, exactly, you know, sound like. exactly. And that's what my fans are, man. Like fans are family. I don't even like to say like, you know, I got fans. It's like, no, I got family. I'm just creating a bigger family. Every single show I have, you know, and knowing like, man, you really, rock with me you know my heart you know you're you're behind me you know you're not talking down on my post you know you're not so it's just real cool to see man and just be like what so can like, i like can i like be the grandpa then in your family man i'm down for real i'll I slip you like a like a like a like a silver dollar every time i see you in your pocket i'm, I'm damn man that's good luck i need all the good luck i can get for real straight up man yeah be granddad i'm with i'm with that i could use a granddad so we are nearing the end here. So last but not least, we want to ask, what do you now? Actually, I will preface this as well to you two uh -huh. and on the record that I don't exactly know when this episode will release, um, probably September, October, but so you can still just tell us what do you have going on right now with the music or is there anything coming up in the future you'd like to plug or shout out right now? Yeah, I have a gig September 2nd. First, I have uh, 7th Street Entry. Um, like we said, I don't know when this will be out. Uh, that's September 2nd. And then I'll be performing at the Harvest Fest. Um, um, Sociable is putting on that gig sometime in October, I think. Um, yeah. And then my goal is just to get on the road, um, you know, this late fall, winter, spring. I'm just trying to get shows at, you know, different colleges. My goal is to go on a college tour. Okay. Um, just to, you know, just to either you know start doing that myself and 
you know, uh, I just recently got someone to help me on booking. So that's going to be cool. Just trying to get gigs going out on the road, you know, and looking to just keep networking and adding more people onto my team, you know, and just really focusing on, you know, my message. I think it's been good to start popping out in the scene here. And, and yeah. I'm like, I can take my momentum and what I've gotten here and just start, you know, plugging into different places, you know, and it's, I love Minnesota as my home base for sure. Like the office, you know, like my think tank, sure. you know, and, you yeah. know, place I can come come to but yeah man uh the goal is to branch out um outside of minnesota so we're working on that right now um getting some stuff rolling and then i'll start working with my booking agent in september so hopefully by then you know we can get some stuff planned and i have a uh, the song called tasa rose i'm currently working on um okay. it'll probably be out sometime in october as well all um, right and then this other song called disappear so yeah i'll be just dropping singles as I go, um, no yep. EP or projects anytime. Sure. Um, soon, just until you start building more traffic and yeah. getting stuff rolling. I'll be getting in the studio with my band to record um, live versions of our song of my songs that I have. You know, sometimes people get confused thinking yeah. Casual Citizens, my band is an actual band. They're just my backing band. Um, you know, right, specific right. for me um, and my mm -hmm. music too. So we'll be getting in the studio and recording some stuff because people really like the live sound. And they've been going on online and looking for it. We can't find it. And they've been getting disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm very excited to hear that news then as well. Because yes, um, it uh, yeah, you can't find the full band stuff just yet. But it sounds nope. like it is up and coming. And then of course, yeah. if you're not listening from Minnesota, keep your eyes and ears peeled for uh, Kukuka out there hopefully touring in 23 or something like that. Yeah, trying to get in the Midwest, man. A Midwest tour, West Coast. Yeah, man, 2023 is the goal. Get out there on the road, so, you know. Well, that sounds great, and thank you again so much for coming on this. This was really nice, really cool to get to know you a little more, and I'm very excited to see you play again uh, sometime soon, hopefully at that entry gig, too. Yeah, man, come check it out. You know, tell your aunts, uncles, you know, and my grandma, tell yeah. her to come through. <laughs> yeah, you know and all the rest oh, of the granddad. fam. Yeah, man. I'll be there for as real. the grandpa. I'm I'll, with have my, that. I'll have my silver dollar ready for you. I'm, I'm ready, Granddad. Appreciate <laughs> you for this interview, Granddad. Yeah, thanks so much. You take care. Uh, be well. Cheers. Voices in the Back is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. VITV is a fiscally sponsored project of the Minnesota Music Coalition, a 501c3 nonprofit art service organization. All music used in the podcast was composed and produced by Smelkin Ernesto. Engineering and mastering of all podcast episodes has also been done by Smelkin Ernesto. For his music or other audio freelance work, find him at smelkinernesto.com. That's S-M-E-L-L-K-I-N Ernesto, E-R-N-E-S-T-O.com. And a huge big special thanks to all of the guests that participated in these interviews. Another thanks to the MMC and our biggest and most special thanks and shout out to Alexi Cassell and Anastasia Ellis, who co-founded the entity known as Voices in the Back.